Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Over this year, I've sat across from many friends, some new and some old, as they shared their pain. Now, it usually started with a simple sentence like, I just wanted you to know I lost the baby, or my sister died, or my husband is leaving me. They were saying words they never thought they'd have to say. The picture they imagined for their life, it didn't just have a tear in it, it was being ripped apart. Pieces that make the picture whole were being lost, and it was completely out of their control. My instinct was to immediately start talking, trying to create the right combination of words that would magically heal their pain. See, I thought if they were telling me, they needed me to do something about it. But that's not true. They didn't need me to show them a way out. They needed me to walk with them through. I don't understand grief, loss, pain that is triggered by a song, a street, a place, as a memory you thought that you had stuffed down shoots to the front of your mind. And I don't think we'll understand it in this life. But I know we'll experience it, all of us. And something about these holidays, it stirs up those memories, subtly forcing us to live what we just want to forget. I asked my friend Don Wilson to sit down with us again because this subject requires someone who has walked through it and directed others in it. Here's no one told me grief is healing. The reason I asked you to jump back on here again is I know that the holidays for a lot of people bring a lot of joy, but I know it's it's painful for some people as well because they are walking a road of grief or maybe they have this year and something about the holidays brings it all to the surface, I think. It's such a balance between joy and a feeling of loss at the end of every year for a lot of people. So, As we talk about grief, I think the simplest way to begin the conversation is just how hard it is to even describe this emotion, this feeling that you can kind of feel like you're drowning in at times. How would you put words to it? Well, as a pastor and as an individual, we've been conditioned to avoid pain and grief hurts. Grief is is a very natural, healthy response to a significant loss. It may be an unexpected loss of a loved one and death, or the loss of a role in your life or a job or, or something like that. It can, be, it can be a loss of a relationship. And the best thing you can do when you experience those kind of losses is grieve. And grieving is how you heal. But it's a very painful path to walk. And we have been, in our therapeutic culture, we've been educated to avoid pain, especially emotional pain. 
and grief is emotional. And that's why it, it's such a deep pool that we get thrown into. And, it, and when it happens, it's not like you dive into the pool. You're kind of thrown into the pool. And then you're trying to learn to swim through it. And that's where all the conflict and, and the difficulty and the pain come from. And, you know, the whole topic of it, I think we associate it most with the loss of a loved one or the loss of a somebody. And I think if there's one thing I've learned this year, especially walking alongside people who are going through hard things, I think grief can be associated when you grieve over the loss of a season of your life or the loss of the future you thought would be. I think it can be you grieve over the loss of a job. I think it's so much, it can be so much more. What about it just roots itself in us? And why does when we grieve over these things, how have you walked with people through those seasons and situations? I think the first step is to try to help a person understand that it's okay to grieve. It's a healthy thing to grieve. You're not sick. You're not broken. Grief is a healthy response to a significant loss in your life. I've been grieving over the past three or four years the loss of my image of some people in my life who were very significant and some things have happened that they've kind of fallen from where I'd, I had placed them. Well, I'm grieving that because these were people who had made a huge impact in my life. And I found out that there were some things going on that I didn't know about at the time. And it's caused me to just really experience sorrow and disappointment and discouragement and even some depression. But all of that is natural if I manage it in the right way. That's the key. And so uh, I think that's why it's so deeply rooted in who we are. We live in a fallen world and people come and go and people disappoint and people die and we have no control over that. And when it happens, grief is how we heal, how God heals us. And it can be really hurtful and painful. So that's kind of why it's such a a difficult thing. And even what you just described, I truly, and I know I've already said this, but that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in 2019. I walked alongside a friend who lost a relationship. And we were in a group of people. This was just probably two months ago. And we're in a group of people. And someone brought up a topic that kind of stung when it came. It reminded her of the loss of that relationship. And she got emotional. And she's not an emotional person. She got emotional in that moment. And I mean, she had tears running down her face and she just wanted to move past it and not really talk about it. And after someone asked me, you know, was she crying over the loss of that person? And I said, I really don't think it had to do with the person. I think it had to do with the future that she thought she had that was taken from her that no longer exists. I think she was grieving that. And I love the concept that grieving is a part of healing, that It's not just there for the pain of it. It's not just something that you live in, but you can almost find a little bit of hope in it because it means you're taking steps toward healing and getting on the other side. I did a funeral this past weekend for a family that lost three young adult children that lost their dad. The mother had already passed away. And I shared at funeral, don't run from grief. Go toward it and go through it. It's how you're going to heal through this and it's going to hurt. There's no way around it. But the hurting can be a good thing. My dad died about 12 years ago, right on Christmas Eve, and he had been under hospice care for like six months, and he passed away at like 10 after 7 on Christmas Eve one year. And 
about four months later, I'm driving up Kingston Pike on an early Sunday morning, and it hit me that this was the road my dad drove to work every day. And all of these emotions and memories just flooded. Driving up to Kingston Pike, I was weeping. And I felt, I felt kind of, well, this is embarrassing. I got to get it together. But then I realized, looking back on it, that was such a healing moment for me that I wept the loss of my father. I wasn't expecting it. Just a memory triggered it. Months after he had passed away, that memory triggered it. And looking back on it, it was a major step forward for me in grieving him and healing. But it wasn't pleasant in the moment. But I'm glad it happened now looking back on it. Looking back on grief, after you processed it, you can see those markers as you go through it. In the moment, you may not be able to see it and identify it and know it, but you will later. There's a, and I'm curious if you've read it, C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed. Um, Someone gave that to me. The first line, just so beautifully written, is no one told me that grief felt so much like fear. And that one line has lodged itself in my heart because we run from grief because we don't want to feel it. It's like you said, we've been conditioned to avoid pain and grieving is painful. But the hope in it is that it's healing. So how can we make sure that we are grieving in a healthy way? Am I moving forward is the question. Because initially, especially an unexpected loss, you're just trying to survive the day. You've got all these different emotions hitting you. And I liken it to being on the beach in the middle of a storm and all the waves hitting you and you're standing in the surf and they just come again and again. And the next one is stronger than the the one that just passed. And they just keep coming. And the frequency and the intensity is just boom, boom, boom. And you're just trying to not get knocked over. Anger, denial, suppression, depression, all of these different emotions that you go through, and you're just trying to stand up and not be overwhelmed. But as you move from that, the waves become less frequent and less intense, but they're still there. And you have to process them one at a time. And they don't come in an order. It's not like, okay, at 10 o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to be angry. Uh, at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be depressed. And they don't come like that. They're very random, and they hit you. And as you're moving, you have to understand that's part of the healing. That's the process. So because you're angry doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Because you're depressed, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. During those times of loss, depression can be how God heals you. That was such a, a light bulb moment for me that depression is not always bad. It can be healthy, natural response to something terrible that's happened. And how can you not be? If you love and you care, how can you not be depressed or angry or in denial or, or trying to shift blame and figure out and all of those things? The challenge is, am I standing up and am I moving forward? In 2002, there's a guy named Aaron Railsnick or Railsback or something like that. He was running slot canyons in Utah. Didn't tell anybody where he was going. And he, in a slot canyon, he was running down through there, and a large boulder moved and trapped his arm between the boulder and the side of the canyon. And he can't move. 
and nobody knows where he is. He doesn't have a cell phone. If he had one, there wouldn't be any coverage. And all he's got is a little water and a protein bar and a really cheap Leatherman tool. That's it. He wrote a book about it, and there was a movie made called 127 Hours. And it's profound in that there came a point like three days in that he realized, I'm either going to do something or I'm going to die. And he had to decide he was going to cut his arm off and walk out of the canyon. And he literally took like a three-inch blade weatherman knife and cut his arm off and broke the bones and tourniqueted it. And then beyond that, after he did that, he walked 20-some miles out of the canyon, which as I've thought about that, in grief, there has to come a point where you realize I'm laying here and I'm broken and I'm bleeding and I'm just wrecked. But I got to stand up and I got to walk out. And that is the most critical issue. Not am I all the way out, but am I headed that direction? Yeah, just that you're not, it's not going to happen in a minute or an hour right. or a day. No. But it, you're still moving in the direction. And the greater the loss, the longer the walk. I think of parents that lose children. How can that not take a long time? You know, you bring this up, and I just had a conversation with someone the other day, and they were talking about their miscarriage. They had just lost their baby. And they said, I feel like people look at me and are like, you should be over this. And she was just saying, I'm not. And she said, I can't imagine that there will be a period when I'll say, I'm completely over the loss of my child. But she said, I know that there are days when I'll go the whole day and not think about it. And I think that's healthy. And she said, and there are days where I'll think about it every hour. And she said, it's not, I'm learning that it's not just a one and done scenario. No. And see, I had to learn that when my wife had two miscarriages. The first one, I was kind of like, okay, we'll try again. No biggie. And she kind of picked it up from me. Well, for a woman, that's a much more personal loss than it is for the husband most times. There's a very personal connection there. And I didn't understand that. And I had to learn that Janie had to have the room to grieve. And I had to, I had to not lead her out of it, but I had to be there to walk with her. And I didn't do a good job on our first miscarriage. I think I was better the second one more empathetic and more understanding, but everybody grieves at their own pace. And I can't dictate to you the timeline for your grief. That's a Holy Spirit and you deal. And when I step into that and start trying to do that for you, then I'm, I'm stepping into a role I don't need to be in. And I think everybody goes at their own pace, but they need to be at a pace. They need to be moving. That's the key. That's a good way to say it. You just have to be setting a pace. Yes. In general. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same as someone else's who has been through something similar as you. It can be completely different, and that's okay. Let's go back to the picture of the walking out of the canyon. You're walking out of the canyon, and it's at a certain point, and this is not something that, that is a aha moment. It's almost, in my experience and in talking with other people, it's almost as a secondary thought. You realize at some point as you're walking out of the canyon— you're spending more time looking forward than you are looking back where you're laying. And that's a critical moment in healing for grief. When I'm living my life forward more than I'm living it backwards at the loss. Initially, 
You're walking out, but you're looking backward. At some point, your eyes begin to turn forward. And there can even be a sense of guilt then that I'm not grieving enough. Sure, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But that's part of the healing that you have to let yourself do. And again, for me, at times like that, it's become as a secondary moment when I suddenly realize, wow, I'm coming out of it. I'm not going to be back there the rest of my life. That's such a great point. You can almost feel like if you're not continually grieving, you are dishonoring. Yes, absolutely. Or the memory or yes. whatever, like you you don't care anymore. And I think that's a lie, we believe. Right, right. Grief is just messy, but it's essential to heal. And you got to get past it. You said something a minute ago that I wanted to touch on. The lady felt like that some people were thinking she just needs to get over it. I think when it comes to grief, we have to eliminate the concept of getting over it. We have to get through it. That statement, you don't get over it. Getting over it implies going around it, which we tend to want to do. We do that by suppression and denial and just put it aside and not deal with it and just get through it. You got to go through it. And it's painful to go through it. And you have to have the mindset that I'm not going to get over it, but I am going to survive it. And I am going to get to the other side. And God is going to be faithful. Our pastor's been sharing on Sundays about Joseph. God is with him. God was with him. God was with him. But it didn't look like it. Circumstances didn't show it. But God was with him. God was with him. God was with him, right? That reality that in the midst of my pain... God is with me. It's not that he's most with me, but his presence is there. I may not know it, but he's there. And I'll see it looking back, but I don't see it at the moment. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. I think about how I handle the pain. And um, I'm very good at compartmentalizing. So anything that happens that is painful, I can kind of put it in a box and shove it away. Like I remember when my Nana, who I was extremely close with, who I spent hours and hours of my life alongside when she passed away, I was at work the next day because I could shove it in a box and pretend like it didn't happen and just move on. And that was not a healthy way to navigate that season of my life. And I'm still navigating what it means to feel like to sit in it and feel something that strong as grief, as the pain that comes with it. But what happens when you don't face it head on? What happens when you're not moving forward or when you don't talk about it? Time and time again in working and talking with people, when they don't process the grief and don't move forward, they sit down in the midst of the grief and one of those, one or two of those primary emotions of grief will become the color of their life. And sometimes for the rest of their life, anger, unforgiveness, being angry at God, being angry at somebody for doing whatever. And then that root of bitterness takes over the person's spirit and they just become angry about everything and super critical. Depression, rather than seeing it as a path to walk through, I sit down in depression and that becomes who I am. And everything in my life becomes that. That's what happens when you don't keep moving forward. And then the loss defines you 
rather than the healing defining you, the faithfulness of God defining you, the loss defines who you are. And you and I both, we know people like that. That's something that's, they've experienced a great loss or a series of smaller ones. That's who they became. And now they can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, all they can see are the trees. And that's who they are. That's what happens when you don't keep moving forward. And it's, it's tragic. And sometimes it's almost like you would like to go back and put a rope around them and pull them, but you can't. They got a process on their own. And, you know, we talked about at the beginning, something about the holidays. I don't know what it is, but with however much joy it brings for so many people, it brings pain, especially when it's like the first holidays without someone you love the first holiday season without the the marriage that you thought would last forever. You know, I mean, there's just something about it that brings it up. And a lot of people are walking silently through that because they don't want to, and I say it this way with air quotations around it, they don't want to ruin the holidays for someone else. And so they think, I will shove all this sadness inside. I will shove all this heartache inside. And I won't talk to anyone else about it because I don't want to ruin anything. But how can we come alongside people in this season, you know, and and be what they need to walk through Christmas and the new year and, and to feel like they are supported? I think both for me helping someone in that position and for the individual, I think we have to go toward each other. The individual wants to isolate and go by themselves, we have to be willing to go to them and not necessarily say anything, but just engage them and be with them and include them in what we're doing. And it may be hard for them, but it's essential that they do that, that they don't isolate and go away from people. Uh, I think if you've experienced a great loss, the holidays are always hard for my wife because her father made Christmas insane. I mean, he he planned all year for Christmas, and then he just went nuts at Christmas. And it was always a huge celebration. So every holiday season, that memory is there in her. And there is some sadness, and there is some looking back and missing that. That's not necessarily bad as long as it doesn't become the controlling factor, right? And she's learned to process it and grieve it and sorrow it even years and years after he's already passed, but not let it become her Christmas, right? The sorrow and the grief. I think going toward each other and community and being with is critical to us helping people and people who are grieving, engaging and coming out of it and not letting it become a, a black hole. And you know, that can be uncomfortable for the person who's reaching out. I get yes. it. Like it can be, well, what if it's awkward? What if they don't want me to? What if they're annoyed? Or, you know, like you can almost talk yourself out of it every single time because you don't want the discomfort. But what if that discomfort is what makes them say, I can take a next step. I can move forward. Loving people is always uncomfortable. It's sacrificial. It's hard. And, you know, one of the, the awesome things about following Jesus is it involves walking, doing life with a bunch of broken people, hurt people. We're all broken and hurt. As we help each other, that's when we, we probably are most Christ-like, that whole love thing. And so uh, it is uncomfortable, especially at Christmas. Because you want your bubble of perfection. 
Yes. You know, you yeah. want you want this dream that no one actually achieves, but you think, well, this will be a little bit of a mark on it. I don't want to be uncomfortable right now. And isn't that such a myth, mm-hmm. such a fairy tale that everything needs to be perfect? Because mm-hmm. life is not like that. Ever. Ever. So why do we expect it to be? And if it were, it would really be boring. And it wouldn't have any depth to it, and it wouldn't have any color to it, and it wouldn't have the meaning to it. The losses that I've experienced add riches to the holidays now. My dad died on Christmas Eve. We were gathered around him. My mom, my sister, my niece, Janie, we were sitting in the room with him, and we took a break to grab a sandwich. And my niece said, he's gone. And my response was, he was a strong, committed Christian. Well, thank you, Jesus. Well, now, that's a hard memory, but man, it's a valuable memory for me and for me to pass on to my grandchildren. That that heritage, that memory becomes a part of their Christmas experience because It was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through up until that point in my life. But looking back on it now, a decade or so later, it's one of the richest things I ever went through. I love that concept right there, that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not valuable. I think there's a lot of power in that alone. I think we think if it's hard, it's not worth it. The scripture is full of lament and sorrow and grieving And I think, again, in our modern culture here in America, we insulate ourselves from that and we try to keep it from happening. And it it can lead us to live really shallow lives. And I think when we walk through it and get to the other side of it, the layers and the depth, it's it's incredible. And it's all about the grace of God at that point. And a lot of times, this is what I've seen over and over, is when you're doing the hardest thing, And when you're experiencing that kind of pain, but you keep moving forward, you're really paving the way for someone who's going to come behind you. You are making it to where you can turn around and say, I have felt what you feel, and God showed me a way through it. Now let me show you that way too. Yeah, Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 1. May the God of all comfort give you comfort when you're suffering. And then you turn around and give that comfort to others when they suffer. That paying forward is a New Testament concept. Paul said, God is going to comfort you, but you have a responsibility then to comfort others with the comfort that God's given you. And that used to be such a foreign concept to me until I needed comfort and I received it. And then I turn around and give it to others and I go, oh, okay. This is what disciple-making is. This is what it means to help others. I got to go through the difficulty to be able to help others when they're in difficulty. And it might be terribly hard for you, and it probably will be, but think about when you can turn around and come alongside someone and make it easier for them, show them a next step. And, you know, that kind of leads into the practical part of this and just how can we make sure that we are taking those next steps? What are they and how can we identify where we are and, and what to do next? What are, what's that practical piece? Well, I, th- I think the key question is what we talked about before. Am I moving? 
or am I static? Am I sitting still? If I'm sitting still, then maybe the next next step is I need to stand up. The Christian life is about following Jesus. But a lot of times I get knocked down and I get put in a ditch. Am I going to lay in a ditch or am I going to stand up and get back on the path? That, that could be over a struggle with sin. It could be over the loss of someone. It could be any manner of things that could knock me in the ditch to keep me from not following Jesus today. Am I standing up? Or am I sitting down? Okay, what do I need to do to stand up? I need to collect myself. I need to put my feet down. It's kind of like the crippled man, uh, Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. At some point, he had to go, okay, I'm going to stand up. It was a tremendous step of faith for him. He had never stood up. Jesus said, stand up. And he could have said, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. I've never done that. But he stood up, and then he walked. Right now, today, do I, just, do I just need to stand up? Tomorrow, what's the first step I need to take? My first step this week, I got a, a text from a, a guy I follow that Andrew Murray's uh, Waiting on God was free on Kindle on Monday. Well, I've been kind of grieving what I shared earlier and not dealing with it. And God said, you need to download that devotional on your Kindle and you need to do 31 days on waiting on me. You need to wait on me so that I can heal you from this stuff that you're holding on to. And I've not been, I've not been dealing with it. I've been, I've not been willing to walk through it. I've just been letting it lay there and I've become kind of ticked off about it. Right. So what, what am I going to do? Okay. This morning I came in. And I got day two of the devotional, and I got halfway through it and got interrupted. So I got to go back to it at some point and and reread the whole thing about what does it mean for me today to wait on God? And you know, some might say that's such a small step, but it's a step. It's, it yeah. is a step. And that's all you're saying is move forward. I remember our pastor, when he was walking with his wife through cancer, and one morning he taught, and he was just broken over it. And I just remember him t- teaching on the passage in Isaiah that says, you will soar on the wings of eagles. And he said, you know, some days I'm crawling, some days I'm walking, some days I'm running, and some days I am soaring. But every place that I'm in is valuable because it means I'm, we're moving forward, that we are doing something. And I will never forget that illustration that at least you're moving. It doesn't have to be a huge leap. It doesn't have to be a sprint. It's a step. And that's healthy. Yeah. Just a small step. If I've been sitting down doing not, not taking any steps and I take half a step, that's a step. And that's the thing. Am I moving? Am I moving forward? Am I going toward healing? Or am I sitting still? Or sometimes I'll run back into the loss and I'll go backwards. I, I talk to people all the time and they say, I feel like I'm taking two steps forward and five back. Okay, okay. then next week, let's do three steps forward and four back. That's progress from where you were this week, right? Are you moving forward overall? Not an all in one thing. You're not going to get there in one day. But are you making progress? And are you moving forward? I think that's, that is the next step. Am I moving? What's my next step? And whatever it is, it's just whatever God tells you for today, am I willing to obey that? Doing that one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the holidays, don't isolate. That's a step. Go toward people. That is a step. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go to family. Let people come in. If they reach out, don't shut them out. Yeah. 
Exactly. I'll be honest with you, grief can, can be a very warm blanket on a cold night. And if I'm not careful, I want to stay wrapped in my blanket forever. But at some point, I've got to, I've got to put the blanket down and got to start walking. It's always easier to stay where you are. That will always be the easier. But like you said, two huge takeaways. One, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not valuable. And two, grief is healing. Grief, whatever you're feeling in it, is okay because it's healing. And as long as you're moving forward, it's healthy. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.